0: In this episode, I talk about brain-computer interfaces with Slava Bobrov, a machine learning engineer applying AI to neural signals to control robotic limbs. This podcast will be of special interest to you if you're willing to get started with brain-computer interfaces or are broadly interested in how this technology could enhance human intelligence. Fun fact, most of the questions were asked by my Twitter followers, or come from a discord I co-created on brain computer interfaces. So if you want to be in the next video or just want to chat about BCI, um, the link for my Twitter and discord will be in the description. Now, without further ado, here's my chat with Slava. Before we talk about your work, maybe we can like define a bit brain computer interfaces for people uh, who have never heard of it.
1: When it comes to brain computer interfaces, imagine if you could control your computer or your mobile phone without hands. You could just think about uh, clicking on something and it would happen. That's the idea to reduce, um, to improve our interfaces of communication with the digital world so we don't actually need to spend any like muscle energy. So you can go through this digital medium. Uh, faster.
0: Do you think there's like a a limit to how much bandwidth we can increase? Um, so because we when we read we're uh, kind of bottlenecked by you know a reading speed. When we listen we cannot hold too much information in our brain. Do you think uh, brain-computer interfaces can bypass this limit?
1: When it comes to really really advanced brain-computer interface, so not that we not the ones that we that we currently have, but like mm-hmm. in the future, uh, I think. Uh, uh like there is still like if it's collected uh, if it's connected to our biological uh brain there is a limitation on the speed of communication between neurons okay so uh even though there is electricity involved uh when these neurons kind of firing there are still uh chemical junctions between Mm -hmm. uh, neurons where communication is chemical which Uh, limits the speed it serves a purpose in the brain but uh, i mean that's uh, kind of uh, the threshold now
0: you mean the neurotransmitters in synapses right exactly
1: yes the the neurotransmitters so like uh, if we can uh, deal with that and actually maybe in the future replace uh, neurons to some kind of artificial neurons which do not Mm -hmm. have those limitations that's when we can uh, think Talk about like increasing the speed, but this is like um, you know this will change everything if we go that direction.
0: Awesome, yeah, we'll we'll go into that later. Um, so yeah, I guess for people who, who have never heard of you, um, and will know more about AI, um, yeah, could you could could you talk about like who's the person behind those glasses and what's the work you're doing <laughs> in brain computer interface? <laughs>
1: Uh so I work with uh, Neurotech uh, companies uh so Neurotech that involves uh, brain computer interfaces that involves uh, uh prosthetics uh currently I'm involved uh, with uh like I work with a startup where uh we develop prosthetic hands mm-hmm. yeah uh, for amputees and uh, I work on analysis of uh, neural signals applying machine learning uh In order to make the control of the prosthetic hand uh more intuitive uh for example you can think of movement uh and for example of movement of your uh limb and uh, the hand would move uh, accordingly that's not the case with the current prosthetic hands that are on the market you actually need to learn how to operate them it's like another tool but with machine learning you can kind of Reduce the friction and make it uh, closer to how you would operate uh, a human hand. So that's that's one thing. I also uh, do like uh, consultancy and uh, advising to neurotech startups. Previously, I worked with uh, uh, with uh, neurofeedback uh, uh, to help people fall asleep uh, faster. Like for example, people who have insomnia. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you. I would uh, read uh, brain uh, signals, uh, and uh, based on that, I would develop algorithms that could uh, adjust um, uh, specific feedback that was given to a person, so the person changes their uh, state uh, without actually taking any, uh, kind of, uh, um, too, too much
0: uh, uh, effort, yeah. So, would it be a changing state with, like, neuromodulation, or... Well, where, where, uh, what would be the feedback? it was
1: it was completely non-invasive uh and the che- the state was adjusted with sound yeah so uh like there is there is a whole science on how we can apply sound for uh neurofeedback uh mm-hmm. like there are these kind of uh, popular ones that you they call them binaural beats binaural beats like when you know when you have different frequencies in your uh, uh in your that are directed in your ears but uh, like, Apart from that, you can also like, uh, yeah, the, you you can basically apply uh, uh, like s- sound as a way to uh, change a person's state. You can notice that when you listen to the music, like different music d- changes your state. You wouldn't listen like rock uh, to fall asleep unless you're special. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's. Like you, 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 pick a proper kind of music depending on, uh, uh, the like the brain activity.
0: And yeah, for for the the company you're working for now, um, for the prosthetic ends, um, do you do mostly data analysis or, um, you know, hardware robotics? Um.
1: So yeah, I work. I mostly work on the software side, uh, but also like this is one of the best thing about startups. Uh you can do uh like in a startup if you want to do something like in terms of if you want to expand your responsibilities and that can be helpful for a startup you should so you can actually um kind of get out of your uh kind of common responsibilities and you can do like other things so like in the past i also helped like with uh, a little bit with operations and like how uh the startup actually runs because I do have like project management experience so uh like this is um, you know that i would advise everybody to try with it like to work in a startup to exp like your learning curve like uh, changes yeah. a lot
0: yeah you get to learn a bunch of different things on doing a bunch of different jobs um yeah. so yeah what's the name of the company if people want to join <laughs> uh, ether, ether
1: biomedical it's called ether biomedical
0: and so your your clients are mostly people who are disabled, I guess.
1: Yes. So amputee, I don't like. Uh, I don't even call them. You know, like they're humans. Really, when you start to work uh, or with people um, who like lack lack limbs, you just realize it's just a periphery. You know, when you see them like replacing their hand with another hand, you, you kind of get used to that, and you realize in the future I might do the same. I mean, once we kind of get even more advanced i mean eventually it will come to everybody if if you have an intention to live longer if you have an intention to kind of uh expand or augment your capabilities uh, it's periphery
0: yeah and i think for paralympics um maybe even olympics people they like someone running was a prosthetic, leg. maybe not a prosthetic leg, but something that helped him run faster, and it was faster than most humans. I, I'm not sure if it's right. Have you heard of it? Uh, I haven't heard about the
1: like the results in terms of like did they did they do something faster? But yes, there is a whole science on how you kind of it's it's not just a, a kind of uh, it, it's it's not a simple device. There is a lot of uh, things that are going on. If if we are talking about leg prosthetic prostheses, it's uh, yeah it there are some there is some calculation inside of it to uh, make it feel like to adjust uh, like there is sort of like a feedback that's going on uh, because you you put in the weight on it and it has to feel Mm -hmm. natural
0: so yeah you've talked about feedback and prosthetic arms what are like broadly if you were to define you know different kind of interfaces we could have between like medical consumers um Um, you know invasive non-invasive like how do you define those in like broad categories okay yes
1: we can start from uh, uh, like dividing them on invasive and Mm -hmm. non-invasive and uh, there currently there is it hasn't been defined yet which technology is going to be kind of the future yeah which technology is more superior like it's Mm -hmm. kind of we can assume like invasive technology like just Logically, because it goes directly, but we don't know. Maybe there will be advancement on the non-invasive uh, just side. Just, so,
0: just to be clear, uh, when people talk about invasive, yeah. sometimes they mention the, the school as a limit. Like if you if you need to do surgery, and non-invasive yeah. would be something that doesn't require surgery. Would you exactly. Agree with that definition? Exactly. So,
1: like with invasive, you can either drill a hole in your skull, uh, or uh, you can also go through your blood vessels and deploy. Electrode arrays uh, that will be kind uh, of—I mean, it's—it's kind of invasive, but uh, it's it's, not—it's—it's without like drilling like uh, large, uh, large holes. So, uh, but it's definitely something that goes inside of your body. Uh, With non-invasive, there is no like uh, physically. There is uh, in terms of material, there is nothing that is goes inside. It's uh, uh, like it's all done. invasively either with uh, you know detecting electrical signal from the uh, the top of your scalp, or doing some kind of imaging, or uh, like uh, yeah. And so,
0: so yeah. Even the thing where you send sound, uh, if you you because there is input and output, you can record what the brain is doing, and then you can input stuff like sound in the ears. Yeah. Or you can do modulation as well. Would you? Um. Yeah. When you. Try to send uh, when you do neural modulation via waves. Does it count as invasive or not when you send stuff?
2: Mm,
1: no, this is non invasive because, like, I mean, even though like waves are physical, is a physical phenomenon. Uh, like, it's not. It's it is counted as non-invasive.
0: Okay, and and just to like for people with we're not in the space. Um, I know some companies like like I think most people have heard of Neuralink, especially people who know about Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is aimed to be. Invasive with electrodes uh, implanted in the brain, um, yeah. I, for, for 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 the sound, I think one of people also know is uh, Muse. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, Do you have like other um, companies that people could learn more about? Oh yeah, maybe can you describe Muse as well because we haven't talked about it. Uh, Muse.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Muse is a this kind of uh, simple brain computer interface that is non invasive. You can buy it and like. Uh, The company Interaxon sells it for the purpose of, uh, mainly for the purpose of meditation, guided meditation. So basically, uh, you put uh, a device like a band on your head, and uh, you plug in like your headphones, and uh, so it it starts to record your brain activity, and the. Depending on your brain activity, it will give you uh, sound feedback on how uh, relaxed or how focused you are. So, uh, you know, when you are meditating, it's very important for you to stay focused and, uh, you know, that the thoughts are not distracting. And you can actually detect that with brain waves in terms of how focused you are. So they provide feedback to help you. Get in that state of where you like meditating and there are no distractions, like thought uh, distractions. That's like primary um, kind of uh, application. But people use it also for different things, like uh, there is like an SDK that you can use to just use your brain waves. Yeah. And uh, so from... SDK
0: is software development kit. So if so, people want to program yeah. themselves, the thing
1: yes yes uh, and people also like develop their own uh, kind of interfaces like bluetooth int- interfaces uh, that you can basically use uh, to uh, to stream uh, raw eeg uh, signal eeg that's the signal from your uh, like uh, from your brain waves uh, like non-invasive signal and electrical signal uh, it stands for uh, yeah it, it, like it's 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 something that uh, you, you can read and uh, it has four different uh, channels so you can think of different uh, times four different time series mm-hmm. and uh, you can do some analysis and uh, you know that's usually one of the ways how people can start in BCS. So you're,
0: you're talking about people buying their own kit with and, and they plug things on top of your of their head like uh, sensors. So mm-hmm. um, some kids like uh, for EEG, uh, signals from uh, something like OpenBCI, where you, I think it costs a few a few hundred bucks, right? Uh,
1: yes, yes. It uh, okay. So
0: for OpenBCI, it's a different story
1: because OpenBCI is specifically for developers. Okay, it's specifically it's it. it you basically receive like a PCB and wires and
0: electrodes, and you connect
1: them. Uh, it's kind of very. Uh,
0: okay, so you're saying old. Muse also has those the sensors and yes uh, the, the yeah.
1: difference is muse a uh, primary um kind of uh, application is n- it is not developed for uh pro like building something on top of it that's mm-hmm. not it's it, its goal is to provide people uh and reach kind of uh, more like general audience who have No idea about brain computer interfaces, but who are interested in meditation? When it comes, so you mentioned OpenBCI. Uh, OpenBCI. If you want to start with uh, brain computer, like seriously with brain computer interfaces, I think it's even better to start with uh, OpenBCI because not only uh, you will you will have a more uh, comprehensive picture on how to like how how to work with both hardware and software. But there is also a large community behind it, and the uh, people like, you know, uh, forums. Forums are always active, and there are plenty of articles, uh, plenty of videos on how to connect. Very like with very simple steps, how to easily connect and start uh, recording the data. So it's like I think for for development, OpenBCI is usually the, the choice.
0: Yeah. So before people want to like. Um... Study brain signal time series and do their own kind of data science project. Yeah, um, I think there are like some different uh, levels of in- invasive and non-invasive that we haven't talked about. So, for instance, kernel—I don't think uh, like the current kern- kernel for the company by Brian Johnson. Um, I think they released a product either this year or last year. That, that that's not really um EEG signals, but it's still non-invasive. do, do you know what kind of signal they use?
2: Mm,
1: yes, yeah, they use something like it's called the uh, uh So it's uh, the difference between FNIRs and uh, or they, they they use some kind of advanced version of it. Uh, but basically, uh, what it it records not the electrical signal that uh, comes from your uh, like neurons, but um, it records the level of uh, uh, blood or like blood oxygenation oxygenation i think uh, basically so okay if you want to know which brain area is currently active you can record uh, like electrical signal and electrical signal will be more like more stronger and uh, like it will have certain patterns in it so you can say okay this this kind of area is active but also neurons that uh, you know, that, uh, that are, that are activated, they require blood flow. Okay. They require kind of resources for them to get activated. So with a certain delay, like with one second, two second, uh, like more like, uh, blood, blood, like an oxygen arrives to that brain area and you can also detect that. So what's the downside? The downside is, uh, the delay. So it's not, um, real time in terms of it's not like what's happening right now is what you record it's actually kind of delayed signal uh with like one or two seconds uh, delay uh so uh, it's like semi real time but still it's very useful i mean and, and they are scaling it up to uh kind of having a lot of those uh, sensors uh which uh, yeah if you if you look at the pictures you can see like how they uh, kind of do some kind of uh, interpolation and the uh, map the brain areas and their activations
0: yeah there's this podcast with brian johnson and lex friedman where you can see the device and how it maps to the different areas exactly, of the brain yeah. i would highly recommend it. it it still feels like weird to record things happening with blood flows it seems like very hard to measure those things um uh, what do you mean so you, so you said it was um it dealt with uh Things happening with blood flow before uh, neuron activation, mm-hmm. so it, it seems harder to detect this than like electricity in the brain. Uh, also- okay,
2: um, it's
1: it's not it's not harder. It's uh, different. For example, when it comes to uh, okay, when it comes to electricity, uh, it's very noisy. You know uh so because like there are a lot of artifacts so okay that you can pick up uh like a line noise like 60 hertz or 50 hertz uh, literally and it will be visible so you can need to filter that out uh there is also any kind of movement that you do with like your eye blinks with your uh, jaw clenching yeah mm-hmm. uh, you any muscle activations of your like facial uh, expressions it will be visible on EEG. And there are certain techniques that you can apply to uh, filter them out. But, but still, it's, uh, it's very noisy. Yeah, um, With fNIRS it's different, uh, because you're not recording electricity. Either.
0: OK, yeah. Uh, I think there are like a lot of body signals that we can record that uh, even, I think, even muscle. I think we haven't talked about muscle. Act- um, mm-hmm. um, so there is EEG, and there's also EMG. Yes, uh, and that's one thing you're especially interested in, like for your prosthetics. Uh, and... mm,
1: yeah, so that's that's one way. Okay, so EMG stands for electromyography, and uh, it records like uh, so. You have like central nervous system, that's your brain and spinal cord, but you also have a peripheral, uh, uh, like peripheral nervous nervous system, uh, and you can record signals from uh, that system as well. And the different, the big difference is uh with eeg electroencephalography you uh kind of you have billions and billions of uh, brain cells and it's kind of the analogy that uh, usually like one can give imagine a stadium yeah Mm -hmm. and imagine uh, that you want to um, record and kind of understand what people are speaking about so you can just go with your microphone and listen to each person and what they what they're talking about but uh eeg so that's like listening to a specific neuron uh, could be the, the the metaphor but eeg is something like listening from outside of the stadium to the whole crowd chanting so you can't actually understand what each individual person is saying uh, but you can kind of detect uh, uh, waves uh yeah like you can detect uh the general patterns that are uh, more like not local but like more global patterns and so uh, yeah uh, with the difference with eeg and emg with e with emg you're usually much closer to the source it's not uh, behind your skull is uh, so and there is not a lot of nerves compared to neurons yeah so like you can record and the signal is much stronger and uh, it's much simpler so uh, in terms of controlling something, you are currently with this kind of technology. You are, will be better off using EMG to, if you want to kind of uh, control something remotely.
0: Yeah, it, it feels like EMG would be kind of controlling the nerve by some kind of Ethernet cable directly plugged <laughs> in someone in the in the stadium, whereas uh, with EEG you would just be hearing the. I, um, the song I th- from the,
1: the team. I, th- I think if we like uh, take um, the, if we kind of continue this analogy with EMG, it would not be a stadium, it would be some kind of a classroom uh, where uh, like you, there is people are still chanting, but you can kind of, uh, you know, or some kind of a party. So you are inside of a party and you can't actually bring uh, the microphone closer to each person. But if you put a microphone, uh, kind of closer to the room. With certain techniques, uh, you can kind of, uh, you know, there's a cocktail um, party. I think the, there's a problem in uh, kind of understanding kind of what kind of components are included in the signal uh, and uh, to kind of split them out and analyze them mm-hmm. uh, separately. Uh, like, for example, like something like independent component analysis in machine learning. Um, so yeah, that's that would be like the analogy. It's not, it will not be. It would be a much smaller group of people.
0: Right. I think. I think now we have a good understanding of the different kinds. Maybe we we left some, but we could go back later. Mm-hmm. Um. Just personally, um, what kind of, yeah, device or, uh, company is is doing work that you think it's uh, underrated? Like not, most people don't know about it, but they should know about it. I think that,
1: uh, well, first of all, there are a lot of companies in this field uh, that people just outside of this field are not aware of. Uh, And I think uh, the field itself is underrated because, um, I mean, we do have like companies that go outside of the field and you hear about them, like Neuralink, yeah. Uh, But I think we need more people to to get the awareness uh, of this field because it's literally the future of uh, our like the way how we communicate with digital world. So the earlier you get, uh, the better it is for you, and like you can you can impact the field, you can contribute to the field. So I think I would say that uh, uh, most of the companies in the field are underrated.
0: Okay, um, and this is. Another question from uh, Discord on yeah Neurotech. Um, mm. What where they want to know what's your ideal Neurotech device? Like if you if you could have anything um mm-hmm. in the next few years what what would you want?
1: Okay, my ideal let's see. Uh... I w- I would say the one that allows uh... allows it to be used on a global uh, scale, so the one that would be safe for people to use, and also it has a high temporal and spatial resolution, so you can record in real-time, and uh, it's like a high-fidelity, high-quality kind of recording, and you can record from a uh, small, like you can listen to those uh, single uh, individuals, like single neurons, and uh, possibly stimulate them in a safe way. So that resolution, when you can access uh, almost like virtually every neuron in the brain, um, with a kind of, and you can record from not just one person in the stadium, but from the every person in the stadium, which is like you, we have some kind of a way to 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 go to that uh, that stage, but that would be sort of the holy grail when we, once we achieve real time, uh, like high high like high spatial resolution uh, kind
0: of signal. So yes, something where you can people safely can record. I think those things are kind of um, opposite, right? If you if you can. If you can record everything or like be very precise, it will probably be invasive or require surgery. I don't see a future where we could, you know, with EEG record very precisely. Mm. What's in, and and uh, if if it's inside our brain, by definition, it will be like uh, not safe. Or we yeah. can have like very precise robots. but yeah, I don't I don't see. So I, I know Neuralink is building robots uh, that are very precise to implant electrodes. Um, I don't know how precise you should be to be <laughs> considered safe, and even if they're like very precise, yeah. um, I think the same thing with the self-driving cars. Like, if, even if the robots are very precise, people will not be open to surgeries because they think there's a risk, and they don't see the risk in human surgeons. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. And uh, like,
1: we we currently do not have uh, the technology for like a completely safe uh, invasive uh, brain-computer interface. I think it would be. Uh, uh kind of iterative process where you have a closed feedback loop between like once you deploy a system and you kind of test it you fix uh, you deploy again improved uh, iteration you fixed again so yeah as usual like iterative
0: progress how we
1: how we got where we are with our current technologies
0: and do, do you think we will so we will have brain surgeons using um brain compute interfaces to operate on patients,
1: yeah, that's m- meta. Uh, <laughs> I, it's it's possible. Uh, I the thing is, why Neuralink want to de- want to deploy robots is because, first of all, uh, even if you are super precise, like as a surgeon, there is a still kind of a time uh, to where you can kind of insert something like it takes like physical. Uh, uh manipulation to kind of insert something in the brain whereas with robot it's uh, like if you're precise with what you do uh it's uh, all limited by you know by rather hardware uh, which is kind of i think will be superior so uh
0: that's and where robots software bugs useful. as well like mm-hmm. if you have um if you have yeah people even if the like, hardware is perfect and precise enough if someone has made a mistake in the software um, there could be a crash.
1: Yes, mm, the same for the autopilot.
0: That's why it requires like
1: iterative improvement.
0: So yeah, in more recent news, I think yesterday we had Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, who crashed for several several hours. Mm. Uh, the entire servers were down, and we could not access it for that much time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, imagine a yeah um, a year. I don't know. In, in a decade or something, where people have BC, invasive BCIs in their in their brains, mm. um, what if it everything shut downs and <laughs> you know someone hacks into their system? Uh, yeah, did did, uh, did you follow the events yesterday? Were you shocked by it? Uh,
1: I was not, but I was uh, in the meetings with people and they were like uh, saying something. WhatsApp doesn't work. Like I can't contact that person, this person. I w- I wasn't aware like of the in real time, but. Uh, Regarding your question with regards to if that happens with brain-computer interfaces, well, it's a possibility. Yes, I mean, if if something is like, if there is a probability of this happening, it could happen. And uh, mm.
0: so, would you connect your brain to you know uh, a Facebook company or (laughs) um, Uh, a company that can be shut down, uh, attacked by hackers?
1: so like personally like personally right now uh where we are in our current development i would not connect myself to facebook uh but uh, like i my hope is they will change like in terms of uh, how they kind of, uh, how their engagement system uh, works because uh how they started it's not how it is right now i mean they started with kind of this goal of uh, uh connecting people uh, which is like bcis are kind of aiming to the similar goal so uh they just got i think with such amount of people they literally can't handle that they they just literally uh they, like uh, with, with it's literally an alive system an alarm kind of swarm intelligence that is going on with two plus billion people are uh, being online, like being in the system where Facebook just uh, isn't like, is not handling that well. I mean, or they, I I don't know, like I don't know about their internal process, but I would imagine that uh, it's not a very task, easy task to do.
0: So your take is that humans have kind of, are hard to control uh, by masses. Um, and if you, if, if you have like a model, uh, economic model, where you need to kind of use those humans as users, and you have a large amount, then there will be problems or... It gives, you, it gives you a glimpse
1: of what, uh, like, of kind of the future and, uh, for example, even AI, that once a system kind of... It's just literally many brains connected. It, they are just connected in a very slow way where you still need to type. Uh, but uh, I'm talking about Facebook here yeah. uh, but uh, uh, it's it's still uh, lots and lots of brain combined with an artificial intelligence that runs like the algorithms that's a system that's an alive system uh, on its own and uh, uh, I think like we are already facing the kind of the challenges of uh, how to to control that and how to predict that uh, we should learn from that in order like it, uh, we we will need to uh, deal with such situation on a much larger scale in the future, so we need to adjust right now.
0: Yeah, and I think when you say like AI helping you type, um, yeah, I think there's been auto-correct for a long time. There's also been now Gmail or other messaging apps that help you like guess what you're going to type that helps you write faster text. And yeah, more recently, there's been uh, GitHub copilots or... Codex that mm. um, yeah helps you write code, and yeah I think from a one of our conversations you told me that yeah Codex is a step towards next generation BCI, and that it's a form of BCI in itself. And yeah. I, I find this thing fascinating. Uh, could you explain a bit more what you mean?
1: Yeah, so if you think about. Not how BCI looks like, but actually, its primary functionality that's to reduce the time that it takes for from your thought to materialize, uh, to to kind of to impact the external world. Yeah. So, for example, uh, with uh, with with brain computer interface, you can kind of uh, control uh, like. Uh, like toy cars uh using your brain yeah and you don't need any like manual input you're just thinking about it so the time it takes for you to kind of uh, do something is less it's similar to codex from like gpt like gpt3 codex from openai the difference like the similarity is basically what system allows you to do is uh it reduces the time from your idea to your uh like once it originates in your brain to kind of the time when it uh, becomes physical, uh, when you kind of create a program, create a software. And uh, that's the, the idea behind BCI. So uh, it reduces
0: of... the distance between um, like n- neuron, neuron firing and exactly. happening in a computer. Exactly. And also, which is very important, energy that it
1: takes to do that because, uh, Uh, not not only like physical energy, but also like the amount of steps that you need to run mentally. When you code, you are very concentrated. A lot of things are happening. Uh, And so it it takes you more energy which somehow even converts into more time to achieve something that you want. With Codex, it allows you to do that in a less amount of time without thinking about uh, a lot of details. And uh, yeah, that's like the system will go to the uh, the path of least resistance
0: yeah, i think there's something else where you know there's many users using Codex to, to write code so it kind of guesses the pattern we have uh, when we, a bit like stack overflow when you type something on google we have a question it guesses what problems we have from our past yeah. searches Here it thin- it's like yeah yeah go ahead it thinks for you yeah so if it, it, it um Maybe that's a bit too um, specific to, to talk about the brain, but if, if it kind of guesses the patterns happening in your brain, um, so before, when a neuron fires, it kind of can suggest in, in, in your type, yeah. it, it can suggest like um, things that you might want to read because it kind of guessed what's the architecture in your brain and what's the what are you going to be able to understand, yeah. and so sometimes when I use codex or copilots, most of the time, it kind of um, tells me something and I'm able to understand because you know, I, I know Python, I know uh, this library, and you just like resume. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's not even like, yeah, it's helping me um, connect different parts of my brain that I didn't know that existed, those links. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, when it comes to prediction, that's already happening in our brain in terms of neuron are kind of predicting other neurons, uh, like what will be the pattern of firing of other neurons. So it's prediction on top of prediction top of prediction, like kind of higher in a hierarchical way. So uh, it's already happening inside of our brains, and uh, it will propagate into external systems.
0: I think yeah. I think for dopamine, when you're trying to, um, you know, when you do something, you're trying to predict if you're going to get a reward or not. Um, most of the dopamine generation is uh, trying to predict if, if you're doing something right or not, if you're doing a good job, it predicts something positive and, and rewards you. And if you did something bad, it will, it thinks you're going to have a, a bad time later.
1: Yeah. Rewarding system is interesting mm. from the point of, uh, like if you look at reinforcement learning yeah, in AI field, uh, usually humans so that in reinforcement learning there is a thing where you basically can train your agent to operate in a, a virtual environment and the the agent is very stupid in the beginning it, it knows nothing and you and you tell the person for example i solve this not the, person, the agent you tell solve these mates yeah and the the, the kind of the agent doesn't even know that the maze exists so if by trial uh an error by trial and error the agent uh, goes through this process of uh, iteratively learning uh, about the structure of the maze and eventually uh solving the puzzle uh and the way to do that is to give a rewarding uh, function to this agent to ca- kind of give some kind of uh, optimization function yeah some kind of a similar to how we have loss function and deep learning Uh, and uh, like the 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 key thing is we are the ones we are the humans are the ones who give the rewarding function the agent doesn't have access to its rewarding function but in our case in case of humans uh the rewarding function is uh we have not kind of at this kind of point of uh, development we do not know how uh how it's been how it works in a way that uh, uh, how do you actually create a rewarding function that uh, kind of uh, is very adjustable and agent kind of has access to rewarding function because you do have access to your kind of dopamine system in an indirect way. You take sugar, you, t- you listen to the music, yeah, mm-hmm. you can give yourself a rewards, and people that's how people get addiction with brain computer interfaces. That's one of the uh kind of uh, things that ca- can lead to a scary future like imagine you have a direct stimulation into your reward uh, pathways and you feel like the level of orgasm almost yeah so mm-hmm. how do you like how do you stop yourself from a uh, stimulation when they so, did yeah when they, when they did like research on rats rats couldn't R- rats would just press the button and stimulate themselves so uh, yeah with with uh, kind of that that's 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 an interesting thing. Like, how can we uh, develop like a rewarding function in a way that uh, is safe for us?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know about the neuroscience behind it, but when you take drugs, um, you kind of um, yeah you can uh, attack or trigger this dopaminergic uh, pathways, and um, yeah, you, you you have a bunch of serotonin serotonin or dopamine that is released. And uh, you cannot take drugs for a long time, so, so so you need to like wait a few days or a few weeks before um, everything uh, comes together again. So I would expect that if you have some mechanism with BCI that um, you know creates dopamine or, or not creates but like um, make it go faster, um, then at some point you will um, be out of it, and you need to like get some time to create more. So I don't know if you can like, foster this 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 creation with other tools or if you need to wait for your organism to to create that.
1: Yeah, so yes, so with drugs uh, and like with, yeah, like with drugs, uh, there is a thing called habituation where like you you basically become more, uh, like you develop a habit of getting that amount of reward and it's not as rewarding anymore. And it has like uh, a physical process where uh, on the level of neurons, like this synaptic junction, where you know like it's it's kind of adjusts and it uh, for you to get uh to the level where you feel rewarded you you need more of that substance uh i think with brain computer faces we could face the same thing where uh, the neurons imagine like weights in neural networks they will be just adjusted because of that and it will be harder and harder to get the reward but uh mm, i mean I, I can speak from like there are there were like studies in, in rats and uh, those rats had a choice whether I think to have food or have like an orgasm experience so and they would just and they had like buttons to choose and they would choose uh the the ones that would give them more reward and they would die I think out of uh, hunger.
0: Yeah, those are famous experiences about um yeah experiencing pleasure and rats that uh, choose yeah. pleasure. I think humans could like if we implement timer <laughs> like after an hour it, it goes out uh then you you'll be forced to like stop um yeah um, okay and yeah so in, i i guess one one of your goals is is to like the, make BCIs uh more accessible to more people we we've talked a bit about like um um you know so, some tools like open BCI or or that you can buy online and, and, and put on yourself to learn data science and, and BCI, what, what, what is like some, like so? I think the audience is mostly like um, data scientists or people learning about AI. Um, what are some fun deep learning projects that people could could take like you know, some open source data set or something that could like, you know, get their end started to learn about BCI? Uh, mm-hmm. With the point of view of deep learning with data science?
1: Okay, Um, so if you do not have your own BCI, which I recommend uh, getting because it's much more fascinating to work with your signals, uh, there are plenty of data sets, even on Kaggle, you can find um, some where there are even like tasks on Kaggle where you can analyze uh, brain data. But trust me, that's not as fascinating as uh, actually getting your you can get it for a very cheap price and you can start uh, analyzing your own data that's much more um, you get much more kind of reward uh, from that mm. because you 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 learn about yourself a lot uh, so that gives you a motivation to pro- progress further and you also uh, apply the algorithms not only in uh, kind of offline uh, mode where you have just bunch of data but you also uh, can apply your algorithms to real-time streaming as it goes you can look at your signal you can develop some algorithms that run in parallel and you look at some metrics and maybe even like um define like some kind of a neural feedback protocols where you can once a certain threshold is reached do this like play this sound or if you want to control a game yeah you you can basically like define okay if Uh, this threshold or this threshold that's without deep learning Uh, do this or that type of control with deep learning you can enhance that and uh, kind of uh, don't don't care much about uh, thresholds and stuff you just plug in uh, the signal into your system maybe do some pre-processing but even without pre-processing you can plug in into a deep learning system and uh, you can define the output like the kind of the cost function that you optimize for and uh, for example if you want to detect whether you thinking left or thinking right for example if you want to control um, a movement of a car yeah in a game and you want to do that uh, without your hands you can kind of uh, deploy uh, deploy an algorithm that would um, train on your data and uh, you can then like think left or right and uh, move the car in According in accordance to that.
0: Okay, so controlling some kind of car in a game with your like a EEG signal or something, and um yeah, and then the kind of AI would be classifying if you're thinking about left or right, um classifying left or right, yeah. Um, and how do do you know if there's like any, yeah, that data sets of um, you know. People thinking about left or right, up and down. There is, it probably is. <laughs> there is a there is a whole video series by a guy who does
1: some kind of coding tutorials, um, standex or something like that's the, the channel on YouTube where he did a playlist on exactly this problem, controlling uh, your. Uh, your current grand theft theft auto with uh, mm-hmm. like your brain, like with open BCI. So he has, I think, even articles how he did that, and obviously the videos. Uh, it has a lot of views, I think. Uh, so I, I would start from there because this guy he has no knowledge of neuroscience, he has no knowledge of BCIs, and he did achieve the control. So just using the software engineering skills. So I would like advise people to, you know you got to be driven not by how complex the algorithm are but how exciting the 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 problem is for you to resolve
0: right yeah i I guess playing controlling your car (laughs) with your brain (laughs) allows you to think about like who to kill and how to get more stars in in gta yeah yeah Yeah. have you have you tried those things or yeah have you built one thing yourself outside of companies um yeah oh
1: plenty uh like uh so I'm very interested in um, sleep and like dreaming uh and like applying of you know, BCIs to that area so I actually kind of uh, recorded my brain signals uh, in real time while falling asleep because I was always like, I was always kind of interested what happens in the moment when you fall asleep that when exactly when is that moment Mm-hmm. Uh, when you kind of uh, shut down and uh, you drop into deep sleep. Now, uh, I, I did that uh, and uh, yes, I analyzed kind of,
2: uh, I
1: developed like this software that allows you to plot everything in real time, a lot of metrics that allows you to kind of have like a pilot cockpit where you can uh, see uh, everything. And once you fall asleep, you do obviously do not have a visual uh, input. So uh, like you can use some kind of sound cues to kind of, tell, okay, now, you ex- now you're in this brain state. And you can kind of consciously fall as Like, you can fall asleep uh, and uh, later, for example, uh, watch a recording of, uh, like, literally, like your video recording of how you felt asleep. And in parallel, I also, like, uh, would, a- would attach, like, a brain signal that like goes in parallel and I would kind of... Uh, see at which moment uh, like what happens what kind of brain patterns are
0: happening uh and so i like I how do you so, yeah. how do you see someone like falling asleep uh with it like with infrared light and you see the the person in the in the dark of uh, closing it no because the eyes are always closed like the movement start you, you stop moving what do you do when you fall asleep
1: yeah so you have like for example eeg headset headset where um, you know it's still your brain is still active so it records the activity of the brain and nothing more uh, like it so even though you're not moving uh, like your brain is uh, kind of processing something and that's what you record or what do you mean
0: Oh sorry I thought I thought you had like a, a camera to like compare <laughs> when you're oh, when you were yes. asleep and when you were uh, and, and you, you could compare it to the signals of the of the brain. Yes
1: okay so why why I used camera because you also want to understand uh, uh, on the camera you could see kind of the level of relaxation of how, how like when when you fall asleep your muscles completely relax and Uh, you know you can see uh, how relaxed you are but that's that's number one number two i also use that to um, to understand sometimes you wake up when you sleep and you don't have any memory of that so i wanted to see and you kind of wake up not just completely wake up but just kind of uh, to turn around yeah, or like to uh, maybe even like people some people like uh says something when they are when they dream so i wanted to record that and see what is the correlation between it and uh, the signal
0: yeah makes sense um and yeah what pattern did you observe uh like what was the waves or like what's the moment how do you see them can you like now look at the data and see with your raw eyes (laughs) when the when the person falls asleep
1: yeah there are some okay there are some brain waves uh, that are uh, like they are more like they are like high frequency waves and slow frequency waves. High frequency waves are usually for the uh, the brain activity when you are like very alert and uh, like uh, low frequency waves are usually uh, for when you are relaxed or asleep. So uh, you have delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma uh, kind of bands. Uh, and uh, so I detected, uh, I mean, if you go technical, like I detected some uh, theta bursts while I was uh, falling asleep, which I was not, and I kind of read about them, uh, like on, like, w- w- what they what do they mean? And uh, uh, actually, uh, interesting thing that is happening, your eyes start to jiggle around uh, uh, when you kind of uh, when you fall asleep, there is a, uh, a kind of a moment when your eyes start to go like uh, back and forth for like a couple of uh, like, seconds. Like they just, uh, or like not not even jiggle, but they kind of uh, uh, they move in a very non kind of not how how they move in waking world. But apart from that, I also like that's when falling asleep. What another interesting thing is. Uh, Like I'm very interested in lucid dreaming, and that's something when you uh, kind of you you are conscious inside of your dream. You are conscious that you are aware that you are in the dream, Uh, like uh, something like Inception, yeah, like if you remember the movie, like similar to that. You are aware that you are dreaming, and I wanted to understand like what is uh, what is the moment, like how how the brain patterns are uh, look and you have like a lot of uh, eye movement during that time so it's, you kind of need to differentiate between brain patterns and eye movements but uh, yeah there's a lot of interesting things see, that's that's my passion uh, you know with with regards to sleep you can use that for uh, different purposes for sleep or to control something or to just monitor your state if you want to kind of uh, learn even meditation you can see kind of your progress in data how are how you are improving not just from subjective experience okay i feel like i'm i'm a master meditation right now but actually from how well are you in control of your brain waves yeah and that will give you a more uh, objective um,
0: so did you evaluation did did, did you try to get some um to record yourself (laughs) while lucid dreaming or is it more like techniques when you when you try to when you wake up uh, go back to your dreams and it's more like um yeah exercise uh mind exercise when you try to force yourself to do things uh after waking up
2: uh,
0: or no- noticing when you are uh, awake or, or sleeping or dreaming yeah i remember that uh,
1: um like there is a moment when you fall asleep when you feel like you falling like it's almost like you're dropping it's a f- it's hard to explain but uh, like i'm sure you're aware of that moment when you actually uh you're like conscious 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 and then you feel this kind of you know Mm -hmm. like yeah i wanted to detect i wanted to see what's what's behind it and uh, the way how i used camera i would and i also like recorded the sound i when that would happen i would like i would try to keep awareness during that moment and i would signal back like by saying something or just by moving a little bit like a finger just because you don't want to wake up yourself too much just to see what's um uh, what are the brain signals uh, related related to that because like imagine if you can induce that state um kind of on purpose, like you can train yourself just like you train yourself to meditate what if you can train yourself to uh, like stay aware while you fall asleep you can do that with lucid dreaming without any brain computer interfaces but it takes practice what if you can improve on that
0: sounds super cool yeah I, I want to record everything now <laughs> and see when exactly um, I fall asleep mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think another interest of yours that we didn't talk about yet is um, yeah the kind of long-term future of, of of DCI and also AI. So mm-hmm. um we both read uh, Ray Kurzweil's books on um you yeah. know um singularity is near or the I think it's the age of machines. Um, spiritual machines yeah age of spiritual machines. Mm-hmm. Um so it was those are kind of old books so it was I think the singularity is near is um yeah fifteen years ago. Yeah. Um yeah so I, I think one of the reasons so if if i remember correctly one of the reasons you like wanted to learn about bci and practice and is both because you're interested in the actual science but as well you you think they have a in, they 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 could have a role to play in this kind of um, competition between ai and human intelligence um, can you maybe reframe that or nuance it yeah so
1: i i really want like humans and AI to kind of cooperate and collaborate. So competition would be, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't like if there is a competition between humans and AI, because we, AI is our creation. It's like our child, the, the child of our, of our mind, let's say, yeah. Uh, it's like, it's, it's not biological, but it's, uh, we, like, we have thoughts, we have ideas, and uh, they can be considered as our children in a way, like how we kind of uh, populate the world with our ideas. But those ideas, uh, they just move, like, like they are information. They just move from one person to another, to another, and they can record it somewhere on the webpage or in a book. But those ideas don't do anything on their own in terms of they don't have any kind of um, sensory input and motor output. That's what AI will do, that they it will give uh, our ideas uh, kind of Will make them more uh, alive, Uh, and uh, uh, like it's it's definitely something that uh, we are in the AI field, we are definitely moving towards. That people who say that uh, uh, you know we are far away from such progress just look at historical data, just compare five years ago to, to where we are right now, don't like just like. Zoom out, like don't don't like look at the kind of like what is happening this year. Zoom out and really look at what is going on, and uh, like you don't like f- think for yourself, like what is going to happen in the next five years. So, so be brain-computer interfaces, at this point, I think they are not uh, only an exciting way for us to move towards the future; they become necessity if we want to keep up with the future.
0: Mm-hmm. I think one of the caveats of, um, you know, looking at advances over time is that you also need to look at how much budgets are into certain technologies. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the counter arguments, uh, I see for AI progress or even BCI progress is that, yes, you can, you get more progress, but you need to, you know, invest much more money. Uh, 200 years ago, you could have like, uh, alone, scientists alone doing progress on, you know, electricity or, um, iron production and yeah. now um, you need like more and more researchers to sustain this like AI growth or Moore's slow growth and mm-hmm. I, I guess uh, BCI has made a lot of progress but you know 10 years ago there were um, maybe 10 times or 100 times less companies that exist today mm-hmm. um, so if, if we want to keep up you know, if, if, if we we cannot just like extrapolate the data from the last five years and say we're going to have that much progress because it mm. requires uh, even larger amounts of um, investment. And I think for brain uh, for neuroscience, one stat people often cite is that we only know about like three percent or something uh, about how the brain works. I, I don't know anything about this percentage, but um, maybe if we if we if we only understood that much now maybe we would need more money to understand more. And yeah, and there's like a, a larger fraction to understand.
1: Yeah. Mm. I'll give an example with regards to, do we really require understanding of something? Um, look at the ant colony. You can understand an ant and like kind of understand its biology and its neuroscience, how the brain works, like to, to a certain degree, yeah. Uh, it's a very simple system. But when we see this kind of network of ants communicating with each other, we have another level of abstraction and organism emerges and intelligence emerges from simple rules. I think the kind of it's a similar thing is going to happen or is happening right now with AI. It doesn't necessarily require uh, our, us engineering every Little part of it. Uh, it it requires kind of uh, like this sy- is the system. Uh, there is a probability that the system is going to emerge just from these kind of simple parts once they are connected and they have communication. Uh, and there is like a an architect like There will be like an architecture that will emerge. There will be like bottom up uh, emergence uh, where uh, the system is going to operate. Uh, to, like, to to stay alive as a whole. It might kind of sacrifice its uh, like components, like some ants die, some ants like are born, but the ant colony survives for years. Like no ant, except for maybe queen, uh, no ant lives that long uh, compared to the, to the ant colony. And the ant colony, think about that, the ant colony sends queens to form other ant colonies. So if we think about it, when the ant colony dies, does it really die? Or that, did it just copied and kind of, not copied, it, but like propagate itself and multiplied itself uh, and distributed itself uh, uh, to uh, kind of be, become even more uh, kind of, you can think of the whole ant species as a one big organism and the same for humans. It's just the, the amount of communication that we have is the speed of communication is different and uh, uh, with brain computer interfaces that speed of communication is going to increase and you can think of what that might result into
0: i think the main difference between ants and humans is that you know ants have all the same intelligence or maybe some can carry a bit more some uh, maybe queens or kings of, of ants that are, can do other other things but. If if you get an AI that is able to self improve and rewrite its own code, uh, or even just like AI that are trained with much more compute, like think about GPT three or mm-hmm. larger models that require more investments in code, um, you know, those models are going to get smarter or more powerful. Mm-hmm. And so we we're not going to get like this nice distribution of a bird flocking or ants. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. we're going why to get something else? It's erogenous. Oh, because, um, well, I don't, I don't see why, like, how we could get a billion times, uh, a billion GPT three or GPT four. Like the, um, the largest investment is so huge that we cannot like replicate it everywhere. Uh, you, you, you cannot deploy, uh, GPT three on on your own GPU because it requires many GPUs. Um, so. Yeah, I think there's going to be like some heterogeneous iter- heterogeneous progress. Um,
1: mm, I mean, okay, I understand your point. You're you're talking about once one the system is kind of uh, like a GPT three, which is like kind of isolated and it's kind of it's, it's supposed to be like very intelligent. So it's not. I wouldn't call like GPT three as a like uh, like a distributed system. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of centralized in a way. Uh right. But. Uh, you can think of well, like the internet itself and the humanity that uh, what we have right now, we already have
2: uh,
1: an intelligence that is emerging on a kind of a level that uh, uh, where like, where messages are traveling in the form of you know simple form like memes, and uh, uh, like there is a, you know, like more like complex messages, but uh, what would happen? That's an open question. What would happen once we increase? the speed of communication between separate nodes, and the way to think about that you can look at the history of communication and ask yourself what happened in the past once we when we didn't have uh, that much of coupling between people between uh, machines uh, what was the rate of the progress compared to what it is uh, right now when we do have uh, high coupling, and we can message someone uh, on like another uh, in another location in the world like instantly.
0: So, yeah, let, let's talk about that. Like, um, for instance, I remember using Skype when when, when I was a kid. So let's say, mm-hmm. ten to fifteen years ago. Um, now we are using some video call. Have we really improved our bandwidth of communication over the past fifteen years? Mm, I think so. Mm, in a way that uh, it's
1: kind of the protocols of. Video communication, uh, like on a technical level, they might have improved, but like there's no noticeable uh, difference. But our protocol of communication uh, changed in as human beings in a way that uh I don't remember people talking too much to strange complete strangers back then. Like, you like the Skype, you know, Skype was used like either for like uh, to. Talking with your family members or your like, uh, business kind of environment, and just phone like just calling just random person in the world, it's uh, it was not something that was uh, mm, very wide widespread. Now it's very common. Like you, you contact a lot of like I, I contact a lot of people on a basis of on a weekly basis. So uh, and like I, with some of them I have calls. So. How we kind of changed our approach to uh, what it takes our, us to uh, connect with other person and exchange useful information, and maybe never see them again. But you know, like we expanded our reach, like so, the brain expanded its reach to access more information.
0: That that's more like a cultural change, and I, I, I wonder how much of it is from COVID and uh, social distancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe people like maybe yeah maybe. In the past 10 years it's been uh, more accepted to network through video chats than and people before used to talk with, with their families um I, I still think there's you know i think in, even in bci there's we, we, we still haven't reached the killer app that we can just say oh yeah now i can exchange much more information with you or mm-hmm. much more experience um and so that's some i guess my, my question was because uh we, we've seen a Huge progress in AI in the past ten years, an explosion in deep learning, um, and I haven't seen yet an explosion in, you know, the BCI space except from maybe a number of companies and a number of people working on it. Yes. Um, so it, it, my question is like, just So even if we, you know, if AI stops, if if AI progress stops for the next ten to twenty years, maybe BCI could, you know, catch up and we could accelerate human intelligence by having higher bandwidths, more communication. But given that like AI might. Advance rapidly at the same rate that that is advanced in the past. Um, do you see BCI, you know, catching up, or will we reach something like general intelligence before we get any better communication between me and you?
1: Okay, okay. So. With regards to BCI, that's how I how I how I think of them in terms of uh, what what we need to improve faster. First of all, uh. Uh, we need the devices to be distributed among people, kind of like we have laptops and phones, we don't actually think about them that much, but like uh, owning a smartphone like 20 years ago or something, that was like a a big deal, yeah, so uh, it's like the BCIs need to be distributed in in a way that uh, like they are on consumer, uh, like accessible on consumer basis, but With regards to how fast we progress from that point when people actually have brain computer interfaces, imagine uh, I have a a kind of invasive brain chip uh, in my brain that is connected to neurons and it has kind of uh, threads like that connect to your brain. Uh, Once we kind of start like our thinking process, there will be uh, some kind of activations in that chip that would transfer some neural firing information i'm not talking about any concepts or like words or anything like that no purely neuron firings, like purely like electrical uh signals just on the basis of that uh, i think there will be already some kind of a link between our brains and we would start to probably notice that in the same way how they have uh uh sami twins or how they are they are called uh, when they are uh merged uh, on the level of their brains and they Mm -hmm. can kind of experience uh what they can close their eyes and they can sort of see with uh, their twins eyes and you know it's it requires a a communication between uh neurons on a very low level everything else is going to emerge just by Uh, network uh, adjusting itself, like our brain adjusting to its uh, communication, just like we adjusted, you know, uh, just like you adjusted to kind of uh, typing fast, when you just learned to type uh, and you advanced and now you type fast because you kind of have a map like internal map of the keyboard the same way there will be an internal map of communication with something outside, whether it will be your brain or whether it will be an artificial intelligent uh, system here's the thing our brain is very flexible and uh, it consists of very repetitive kind of uh, blocks or like modules and uh, these modules they operate based on uh, what inputs they have and what outputs they have so if you connect something if you plug in something in your area of the brain uh, for example if uh, you mm, plug in uh, in your visual kind of processing system, uh, like some kind of uh, signal about uh, so h- how they would do studies with uh, people who are, like are blind? Yeah, they would put some kind of vibrotactile, uh, like basically like motors on, uh, like on like a part of your body, and uh, basically kind of. You can learn to see not only with your eyes, but you can learn to see with your skin. It will be low resolution, but you can kind of, if you can plug in uh, a camera, video stream camera uh, that would uh, stimulate your uh, kind of skin. Uh, the area of the brain that is connected to that skin will start to be responsible for uh, uh, vision.
0: So the, the part of my brain connected, so you can, re, um, so are, are you saying that there is like neuroplasticity and I can exactly. reprogram my brain to do other things?
1: Exactly. There is a, that's what I'm talking about, uh, neuroplasticity. So like, that's, and that's why communication, like once we uh, kind of connect ourselves to either each other or AI systems, we will just based on our goals that we would have at that time we will learn to utilize those connections to achieve goals and if that means a faster exchange of information or uh, you know better chances of uh, surviving in some like in some situations uh, the brain will uh, most probably adjust
0: okay so kind of the approach of neural link where they implant the electrode and then they they say we just um... You know recording what it what it says and, and putting things but we're just like putting this interface that is very with a lot of electrodes and we expect the brain to to itself be a good um uh you know a good interface <laughs> yeah a good interface with this interface like yep. a, a, adapt to this interface and
1: yeah a, a simple way to think about it you don't tell weight you don't tell neural network its weights you just you just tell it the cost function, the optimization function, and the weights are being uh, adjusted and calculated based on that. So the same thing with, uh, for example, with what uh, Neuralink does. Uh, for example, if you've seen the monkey mm, a video where monkey yep. kind of played the game, they didn't actually map uh, like the game to specific like neurons in the monkey's brain and uh, how to which neuron to fire and stuff. They just Probably went for some kind of calibration process where they gave uh, like monkeys a time to play in the environment, and they gave monkey uh, a reward like some kind of juice, similar to how reinforcement agent uh, would operate. And the monkey would just to get the reward, the monkey would learn how to operate in the game and how to win in the game because it it gets rewarded. The brain will seek for like more reward and uh, it will
0: learn how to get it. Yeah, I've seen that video. It's pretty crazy. I'll probably link into the description. Yeah. My question is, do you think we're going to, we're using this in Monkeys to do simple things like click on this and, and move a, a character to, to, to get some treasure and a map? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How, how do you, do you, When do you think we'll, we'll achieve something like Siamese uh, uh, brains, where? Uh, uh, or semi twins where they like connected in their nerves, and you said they could like see the other person's eyes, uh, the other person's what the other person would be looking at. I think it's crazy if if that's true. But um, so would would we need to just like, I don't know, uh, have an interface uh, in our neck <laughs> that is connected to someone else and and be able to record this and send it back? Um, when do you think we could achieve something like that? That would be crazy. I think if ever possible, yeah, of course. I
1: think once once we have a proper brain-computer interface that can handle, uh, read, and write signals into the brain on a very local scale, to the scale of neurons and the scale of people in the stadium, once we have that in a way that it's safe uh, and you can kind of
2: mm,
1: connect that to many, many, many neurons, uh, i think there is nothing that stops uh like and you can connect to people like that there is nothing that will stop uh uh, progress from that uh from that stage in, in a way that the communication protocol will be developed um kind of on it it will emerge based on the tasks that are given if you if you are interested there are actually studies where people used non-invasive brain computer interface uh, to play I think Tetris game so what they did uh, there is a kind of uh, I think two persons are con- two people two persons are connected with a non-invasive brain computer interface where you can kind of read a brain signal and stimulate the brain signal I think with like transcranial magnetic stimulation so you can you have some kind of feeling that you're stimulating like I, I haven't had like such experience of uh, magnetic stimulation but you can imagine that your state is somehow like, you can feel something is different so you can say okay i can differentiate between a signal where i'm not stimulated and where i am stimulated okay so what they did they would put one person in a room with a game and a person would observe the game uh, person would have no control in terms of uh, making decisions, like a person would basically only have a visual input, but it has no way of controlling the game. And in the other room, there is a person who has no visual input from the game. It only has a kind of uh, input, this kind of connection with uh, another brain through brain computer interfaces, and they can differentiate between kind of different signals and like, or learn between the different signals uh, uh, and kind of understand where, and they have uh, uh, access to mo- uh, to control, like of joystick. And you can kind of, uh, these people learn how to play uh, this game, even though one person only had access to visual input and the other person only had access to uh, the joystick. It's very non-invasively and very low resolution signal. And I think like the game was very simple, maybe not even Tetris, but with like it's it's possible once uh, you have a uh, proper uh, goals to reach, to optimize. So you for. would,
0: you you would kind of get some signals from the other person, and uh, you would understand that the person is uh, seeing left or uh, or seeing, So the the person with the joystick would not see the screen. Yes. That's the person. yeah. If we can scale it up, uh, that would be yeah, awesome. Um,
1: and, and, it, and it even doesn't matter like whether it's another person, whether it's AI system, whether it's like a simple algorithm that computes something. When you kind of receive this signal and if it's in a way you kind of think it's useful, like your brain thinks it's useful, it will learn to utilize it uh, like and learn to kind of to differentiate between patterns in that uh, signal to uh, have this kind of close feedback loop where it would do something to produce a change, and it will like okay. If I do this, I receive this kind of signal. But if I do that, I receive that kind of signal. Okay, so now I see the mapping, and uh, like once you basically learn to predict this,
0: the the uh, external system, and maybe the extreme case, uh, if if we push it to the limit, is what you have called the thing previously, uh, brain swarm, where. Mm. Uh, we're, we're all like being able to kind of play the video game or or, or feeling what other people are feeling. Um, and so that's like when we're like all, like if, if, if AI doesn't go that fast or, um, or, or or fast enough to have good BCI technology, but not enough to, you know, self-improve, um, we would have billions of people being able to connect themselves via uh, some interfaces and feel what the other person is feeling and thinking uh, mm-hmm. maybe in symbios. Um. Yeah. Um. Could you describe a bit more, like your ideal future of brainstorm that you think about?
1: So we can start from a brainstorm already mm, in the present time and look at uh, the system, like Twitter, or like is a good example where people would just share their thoughts. Um. And uh, like you had, you you have some kind of thought, and you like well. Why not? Why not share it? And uh, you share it with external world, and some people kind of uh, read that information from a complete stranger, and they upvote it uh, not only on the basis like to kind of give some kind of reward to the person, but also to uh, adjust the Twitter algorithm for themselves, like give me more of this stuff. You know, like I want more like that similar information. So like it's a. Uh, like, you can act in this system as an agent that is uh, kind of optimizes its uh, information uh, information kind of uh, inputs in the same way how I just told you about uh, you kind of receive the signal and you uh, you do something which is like like or tweet and you receive more of that of similar uh, signal. So um, that is going to, like with brain computer interfaces, it is going to be enhanced because of the speed. Uh, we will not need to type. We will we pr- most probably, like, we will not be, we will not need to, um, kind of, we, we use, we currently use our visual uh, system to process information or like to get the, the, the initial input. Uh, but, uh, like in the future with brain-computer interfaces, uh, you can imagine that uh, uh, this will be on a much faster level where possibly language will become obsolete. So, because mm. language is kind of a compression of our real thoughts, of our real intentions, we compress uh, this information in order for, uh, because like, there is a limitation on how, mu- how many words we can actually deliver and then you need in your brain to decompress that information uh, and uh, have a meaning of uh, what i've just said so you see the amount of steps it takes that's number one and number two uh, we can see why there are like differences between people why there is misunderstanding in like different cultures and stuff like that with brain computer interfaces we might not need uh, language as a way to communicate it's it's speculation but uh, we might develop a faster protocol to communicate uh, where we do not need such uh, compression of information in order to transmit it
0: yeah that's exciting um yeah funny enough you, you've been talking about twitter so i've checked twitter when i ask people about questions and i just got one more question uh, hmm. uh, uh for you from from someone that posted like a few minutes ago and yeah. it's exactly about human language uh, which is they link to an article saying that uh, human speech may have a universal transmission rate of 39 bits per second. So if we, we should be able, so, uh, so in your view, if, if that's correct, we should be able to, to bypass this frontier of language because that's, yeah, 39 bits is not enough to have and, like uh, high information. And,
1: and think about how exciting it is that we've just spoke about it and someone asked about it. I mean, it could be a coincidence. It could be a statistical coincidence. But there is a probability that we are so connected in a way how, uh, I'm not talking about like physical connection with some kind of telepathy. I'm talking about how the system, uh, the the people and AIs are already, in a way, kind of,
2: uh,
1: the ideas emerge uh, and travel, uh, like, you can notice a lot of like coincidences with like a recommendation system, like how how you get get recommended something of more of what you uh, searched before, or like what you sometimes what you thought about. You get recommended that, and uh, you know there is a probability that uh, that is that would just happen.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That yeah, maybe maybe you were also checking Twitter, so <laughs> you started oh, talking about it because yeah, you said... like, uh, I <laughs> Um Okay, and now the final the final results. Uh, so after we get something smarter than humans, uh, AI smarter than humans. Um, if I remember correctly, you believe in brain uploads, and uh, you believe that humans could be able to you know upload themselves into a server and. Um, oh, okay. Uh, talk between them faster okay i i don't necessarily believe in the
1: in a way that uh, we can upload ourselves without any changes like in a way that um we're talking about like future so we're not talking about like right (laughs) but but, like in a way that uh i think once we if 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 we will it will be possible to uh upload uh, ourselves uh, I think it will change the way how we are in, for example, like for certainly the speed, but maybe like there is will really be some impact where changing the architecture, changing the hardware might impact uh, like the way how uh, we generate, uh, like how the system generates kind of
2: how,
1: how intelligent it is, because there is also, you know. Uh, think about it this way if you replace right now your uh, in your brain one neuron just one neuron with artificial neuron and just let it let it be there as a part of the system are you artificial right now well you know you kind of a cyborg in a way but it's just one neuron now what if you replace two neurons what if you replace ten thousand how many neurons does it take for you to actually be considered a uh, that you digitally digitally upload yourself and you can kind of think that maybe we will get there gradually so it will not be like a discrete upload yeah like oh i just upload myself right now and it's like a one-time thing but it will be more of a gradual thing where we uh, kind of replace our body parts kind of like with prosthetics here replace our uh, b- brain parts or like augment them uh, in a way that uh, you know, we move into the digital medium gradually, and I'm not talk- like I'm not talking about. You know, it will most probably be it will be or like, yeah, it, it will be a copy. It's not uh, kind of. Uh, so it's you, it, it's a we, copy. You know, it's not it's not actually you, but in a way, if you think about it, uh, tomorrow uh, we are going to wake up and during our during the sleep our brain is going to be adjusted our brain is going to be changed think of like there will be some modifications in the in this kind of uh, in the system so tomorrow we will be a new kind of a person a little bit different from what we are right now so you can think of that is already like uh, like our current versions of ourselves they will not be there. Uh, like, they will not be here tomorrow. They will be, they will be, they will be, like, a slightly updated versions that think that they were the same person from the yesterday.
0: So, if you, you know, copy the version that is here now, and you put it in a server with the same memories, do, do you think this person will believe it is me?
2: Hmm...
1: I, I can only, I have, uh, I have seen that in sci-fi movies uh, in terms of like this, this thing. So uh, like my, ex- my thinking is kind of <laughs> yes, my, my thinking is currently biased with what I've seen, how, how that, uh, like what, what might happen next and will person, like the digital person will it perceive itself as uh, like that it was in the past, like a biological being. So, yeah, I don't don't know how that is going to, how exactly that is going to operate. But uh, in a way that, uh, you know, uh, what I've just described with the sleep, if you think about like sleep is kind of uh, as modification, it's not replacing neurons, but like let's think that it's like some kind of modifications of connections between them. So, it's not the same type of uh, model. of you, uh, it's just not a copy. Like your your copy from the yesterday does not exist, so it's not uh, preserved anywhere. But with digital upload, it is preserved. Like it's it stays in the
0: body. You know what I mean. And okay, so with so 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 the copy. Uh, if you have a digital copy, it stays. Uh... You can yeah. you, you you still have your version here and you cop you, you can exactly. copy it somewhere else. Yes, yes. So that's why it's a copy. But when you sleep, uh, it's not
1: like it's a you, replacement. Yeah, it's a replacement.
0: And uh yeah, imagine so yeah, do, do do you see it as uh something uh positive as if like humans or maybe we, we get to something like a singularity, um we get very smart yeah, they can self improve mm-hmm. and human, maybe human labor is not very useful anymore um, and people start doing you know copies of themselves uh, and and to to put them like on a central server to to do some, something like a brain swarm or like a a brain upload swarm uh, mm-hmm. do you see something uh, that as, as a positive um, a successful um, you know story for the human race or um like would, would you be happy to like just die and you being a copy with uh, um, inside this uh, giant server
1: like right now mm, we can judge mm, like our current world compared to 100 years ago did we like was this technological improvement an improvement? Like, do we actually are we actually better off? And like, subjectively, I can say yes. Like, uh, there are like, uh, more people are educated, and like, the exchange of information is faster. There is a, you know, people are uh, like, there is a diversification. We are becoming more kind of liberal, and uh, those are kind of, I view them as good things uh, for for the system. Will it? Will it uh, kind of move in the same direction in the future, uh, in a way that it will mm, kind of be better for the system in the future? I think that the system in the future, like the the, the system will try to optimize uh, for whatever it is best for it for itself. Yeah, like the system wouldn't want to give itself like some kind of punishment just. For no reason like the system will want to optimize some kind of uh, you know more rewards more kind of uh, to, to, to have a, a state where it has access to more resources so from it could be from from the system perspective in the future uh like it feel it would respond i feel good like i feel happy whatever that means for that system from our point right now uh you know if we would judge a, a kind of uh, from the past, like right now to how it is in the future. And we will we, we see that future. We might agree or disagree in the same way how people 100 years ago would agree or disagree with the way how we live right now. You know, I think there will be people who would say, you know, you, you've you got like, what you're doing now is completely like, you are stuck in your phones, you're looking at this, like what is going on? But there will be people, um, presumably from like, maybe like science community who will be like, you know, Applauding
0: to, to what we are doing now so uh, our so you've talked about addiction mm. um and i think our, our reward function is not perfect because we can you know take heroin or mdma yep. and and just be full of of dopamine without uh, achieving something objectively you know good for the world mm-hmm. um and so we we have this like reward function from um you know every evolutionary fitness that people yeah. could argue that is not the best reward function because um, you might like think about other things that doesn't give direct rewards. Um, so, and we have also talked about Facebook that you believe at the beginning was about connecting people. And, and now uh, as, as, as like with the capital, capitalist model and the ads revenue as has as, as changed to something where they like drive click. <laughs> and yeah. um, for so for me, it's like a bit hard to see why the natural like uh, capitalism and uh, you know evolutionary pressures would bring us to a good reward function or a good loss function for an AI, and we will be like very lucky if we get to like a good loss function uh, by chance or and by an emergent behavior without like defining it properly. Mm.
1: Okay. Yes, uh, it's currently hard to predict uh, with regards to. What is the fate of a biological human being in the future? It's uh, something that, uh, mm, if we extrapolate, mm, in like into the future and think about, uh, will he will a human being stay a biological human being? Um, well, we we already have evolution, which is biological. So, like, uh, possibly, like even if no progress is happening, we would still have some kind of changing in the human species but uh, with uh, like adding technology process progress i think that uh, yeah like human beings uh, like a lot of adaptation needs to happen uh, for us to be able to uh, kind of exist survive in the in the future world like staying as a human being uh, I should. I believe it's a cho- it's a choice that should be given to everybody. Like, if you want to like, kind of augment yourself or stay a human being, you're free to choose. Uh, it it will be driven kind of by some kind of a game theory where uh, what happens if you don't augment yourself? Like, can you live with the fact that there will be beings that are like more intelligent? Uh, even though you don't know, maybe, maybe they destroy themselves tomorrow, like you don't know how, how things are kind of going to happen if you augment yourself. But uh, just, just judging by the present moment, if you see like someone is augmenting themselves and they receive kind of more resources, more this, more that, uh, what's your internal thinking when you kind of, like what would a, a typical human being would do in this situation?
0: I think that's a great question for people to uh, keep thinking about uh, after after the podcast, uh, because it will be a central theme in uh, the next decades. Um, yeah. I think we we covered a lot of, a lot of things, um, and I'm I'm quite happy about uh, the end of the discussion. If yeah. people want to learn more about your work, um, is there do you have like a new website or Twitter uh, account that people can? Yeah, follow?
1: I have a Twitter account. My uh, like. And they have like LinkedIn account, but like, on, uh, my goal is to, uh, the, the field right now needs a lot of people, uh, for, for it to progress, uh, and like we, we need kind of diversification in in skills. It doesn't matter if you kind of come from a non-neuroscientific field. I myself, I don't come from a neuroscience background. I I self-taught, so uh, it doesn't matter what your background is, as long as you are kind of passionate about this and you want to people people who get in right now since the field is in in its infancy are going to define the future of this field so for the people who are like are listening to this uh, if you want to get on board and uh, basically impact and contribute to how the future is going to operate neurotech field is the one of the best fields to do so
0: awesome yeah it's a great conclusion um, thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Hopefully, uh, we can have another discussion uh, in, in a few years <laughs> yeah. talking about uh, advances. And uh, yeah, I wish you a great day.
1: Yeah, you too.
2: Thank you. Thank you.